Welcome to the nine to forever podcast. Being a parent may never be a nine to five job, but it is the best job and much easier to do with a village. Here we'll discuss issues that will hopefully make you smile, learn something, or just feel less alone in the journey of motherhood. I'm your host, Kate Raditz, a wife, mom, and journalist passionate about telling stories that empower and connect women and families. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Nine to Forever podcast. We've got some music in here, so you know it's legit now. And I want to thank my friend Emma, who actually, in a nod to today's podcast, is from my infertility, uh, my infertility support group that I've been a part of for many years now. It's on Facebook. And we've kept in touch. Actually, I think we share the same birthday too. So our birthdays are coming up, but we both have, it's funny, we both went through infertility and now we both have two boys the same age and two uh, daughters basically almost the same age. So pretty cool. Um, so yes, today we are going to be talking talking about a topic that actually I know uh, a lot of the people on Instagram, that's how they found me. Uh, in the beginning, because back in 2017, I went, I went public about, I, I shared publicly on the radio um, that uh, my husband and I had been struggling to get pregnant. And I'll just say it was on uh, the Dave Ryan in the morning show. I, uh, Steve, who's no longer there, um, definitely huge kudos to him because he was the one when we were talking, he said, you know, maybe you should talk about this and Dave as well. Um, obviously it's his show and they, they're, they're my friends and I, I really appreciate they were so amazing to me that day when I was, uh, really, really nervous to share this big, uh, secret I had been, um, keeping of what we'd been going through for the last couple of years. So, I'll just tell a little bit about my background because what I really want to cover today is something that um, I think it's important absolutely to talk about uh, infertility and how it you know affects couples. Um, but on the flip side, I think it's really important to tell people how they can help, right? Want, this affects one in eight couples, but so often I'll hear from people who it doesn't affect and they don't know how to approach it. They don't know will I upset my friend by talking to them about it? Or will I upset them more by not talking about it? And so I just wanted to offer a little bit perspective today, but also look to what the experts say about this. And hopefully uh, you might learn something and also know that you're not alone if you are going through this. And um, I imagine that there will be many stories that could be shared on this topic. So I just thought I would give a little background since that is uh, what a lot of people still come up to me and ask me about. So uh, my husband and I got married in 2014. Uh, we knew we always wanted to have kids. Uh, when I say always, we only dated for like six months before we got engaged because we wanted to be parents. Um, and that wasn't totally in the cards for us. Um, we struggled for let's see, we tried for three, three years before my son was born. No, I think, yeah, three years before my son was born, maybe even three years before we got pregnant. I think three years before, yeah, three years before we got pregnant. Um, and so uh, I, all of the issues were on my side. I had very low estrogen without getting too deep in the weeds. It was all on my side, the issues. Um, I had a known diagnosed cause 
uh, of, of why we were not able to get pregnant, but we could not figure it out. And so they basically told us, you know, I was failing. If, if you're in the infertility world, this will mean something to you. If, if you're not, then I'll just say there are different levels of treatment you can have. And uh, basically they told me I wasn't responding to the medications and that we should go right to IVF if we wanted to try to have a baby. Um, IVF is pretty much the highest or most aggressive uh, form of fertility treatment that you can do. And um, we sat on that for about a year. Um, gosh, that's a whole other topic. I would love to talk about that with someone um, if you've done IVF, because I think there's this mentality that, oh, just do IVF and, you know, you'll get pregnant. And it's it's from talking to people about it. I knew it was a, a serious, serious um, undertaking. And aside from not being a guarantee, it's it's really hard on, on a woman, on a couple. It's expensive. Um, I didn't have any uh, insurance coverage at the time. I think that's since changed for me, but I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but just kind of showing that I know that's changed for a lot of companies with the, the times. Um, and so we sat on that and I prayed on it for about a year and we decided that wasn't what we were going to do. And we pursued adoption. We did our home study and completed it in the fall of 2017, which is now so crazy looking back because that's actually when I went on the radio and shared about what was going on. But I did not mention that we were adopting because I just felt like I didn't want to mess that up. I wasn't I wasn't going to share that until until we had a, a, a baby in our arms. Um, but yeah, that was all going on. And then we got pregnant. <laughs> we got pregnant. <clears throat> and it was the most joy. It was it was surreal. I still remember that day. I took a test in a I took a test in the Target of St. Louis Park. If you're local, if you know where that is, and called John. Just like I just I just like I had taken so many. It was it was surreal. Um, it was also the day the Vikings lost, like in a in a January playoff, if you remember this in 2018. So here was John, like so depressed, and I did not care. Um, so yeah, so we we were we told our whole families there was no like wait till the 12. People were like, we're not waiting on this. They everybody knew what had been going on in my family. Everybody knew everybody everybody knew at this point that was following our journey. So. Um, we went in for an ultrasound, everything looked great. And then I went back in, I think it was around like nine weeks. Um, and the baby's heart had stopped. And um, they said, you know, you you probably, you had a mis missed miscarriage. So I had, the baby had stopped growing about a week prior. And um, it was, it was so, it was so devastating. I mean, after everything we had been through, I, I hadn't even thought about miscarriage. Talk about infertility one in eight. Miscarriage is one in four. You know, it's like so, so common. And yet I felt, I mean, I was, I was embarrassed, honestly, by how sad I was. It was, it was embarrassing. I, I, I had trouble. I had trouble focusing. I couldn't sleep. I was in such a deep grief. I, I needed a DNC. And I, I honestly, like, I didn't know how I was going to recover. I was just absolutely devastated. And it was so hard on John and I together as a couple. Um, he was devastated. 
So we, you know, the, the weird thing about miscarriage is you're, you're grieving this baby, right? And then you also still want to have a baby. So you're like, okay, do we keep trying? Do we mourn what's happening? And for us, we kind of did a mix of both. But here I thought I was still, you know, infertile and, and or still dealing with that. Well, yeah, I did get pregnant shortly, very, very quickly after. I think, I think even maybe even when my cycle came back right away and again, had a miscarriage. This one personally wasn't as hard on me because it was very early, like, like five weeks. And I was kind of already like on edge at that point about it. And so it wasn't as devastating as the first one, but still at this point I was like, okay, all right, fine. Now we can get pregnant. I'm not going to be able to carry. Like, of course, this is what it's going to be. And by the way, we had we had been on hold signing with an adoption agency at this point. Cause I could, I was like, Nope, I can only focus on one big thing happening at a time. And so we tried the very next cycle again, it was literally a month later and we got pregnant. And this time I, I hate to say this, but I felt very little joy. I was pretty numb about the whole thing. I was like, well, you know, we'll see where this goes. Um, and of course that, that that test uh, would become our son. And uh, I still speak about that because, um, and I and I did not struggle with having our daughter. I thought I we thought we would. Um, not the case uh, because <laughs> we ended up having them closer together than we thought. Um, but it was, it was a, going through infertility is is a life-changing thing and it actually ended up really making me a stronger person um but during that journey i learned so much about how to talk to people with infertility and i hope that i helped teach friends about the things that were so helpful my friends were amazing i had amazing coworkers. i i Honestly, I can't ever really remember someone saying su something super insensitive to me because even before I was super public about it, I didn't I didn't really hide it from people. I mean, people knew we wanted kids. So I realized that's different for everyone. Um, so what I wanted to talk about, I, I actually I'm getting these. I went through these tips on Resolve's website, which if you don't know what Resolve is and you're going through infertility, please go check them out. I used to do events with them. They are the national infertility association um and and they have so many great resources including you know explaining uh infertility they have faith-based communities and resources all, all all sorts of different things um but they have this section for people who do not have uh experience with infertility that talks about what to say and what not to say and the thing i like about it is it's not we shouldn't shame people i know it's easy to jump on someone when they're like, oh, when are you gonna have a baby? I would get that question sometimes. And I knew that people meant well. People mean, most people mean well. And so I think just having that conversation with a friend or coworker or whoever it is of, of what can be helpful, like they, they want to help, right? So I'm just gonna go down the line here. So if you are someone who has a friend with infertility, if you, if you think you don't, I guarantee you do. Like I said, one in eight couples. So, even if you're not struggling with this, I, I think this is valuable information. So I'll just go down the line here. Things to say, and again, this is from Resolve. Let them know that you care. Well, that seems pretty basic. I will tell you a quick story. After my miscarriage, my first miscarriage, 
I had someone I know, and I don't even know if she wants credit for this. So I'm I'm not going to say her. I'm going to say her name. Her name is Lindsay. <laughs> and she sent me a care package. And I just remember, like, I actually still have the card. I've talked about this. Um, the card is on my fridge. And it was after a storm comes a rainbow. And at the time, it made me, like, cry my eyes out. But now... Rainbows are so special to our family um, and like any songs about rainbows. And it was all because like she took that time to send that. It really meant a lot. So just like sending someone a card, um, I think it makes a big difference. Uh, number two, doing your research. Read up on infertility. Well, you already listened to a podcast about it. So we already know that you care, <laughs> right? Number three, act interested. Well, I think that's true about anything, you know, but some people... Some people may not want to talk about infertility, but some people do. I was someone who did. I, I think if someone came to you, I don't want to compare it to another disease because infertility isn't going to, to you know, it, it wasn't going to kill me. But say if someone came to you and said they had cancer, you wouldn't just go, okay, and then say nothing, right? Again, poor comparison because that's such a more serious diagnosis for the person going through it. And I have never had that experience, but just that you, you, you show you care by asking questions and you can find out if they want to talk about it or not. But I have found a lot of people do want to talk about it to some extent so that it kind of gets the taboo rid of how it, of it being taboo at all. Number four, ask them what they need. They may really say, yes, I would love if you could watch our dog when we go to our next, you know, fertility appointment, or maybe they're going through injections or whatever it is. Ask them how you can help. Um, what are we on? Number five, uh, provide extra outreach to your male friends. You know, this is something I regret. I feel like I, I wish I had better understood everything that John was going through. I definitely think, you know, the woman takes on a lot, but, but the, the guy, I shouldn't even say the guy, the, the, the partner, whoever it is, um, they, they don't always get the same support. And I wish, I wish I had known how to help John. And I wish he would have had more time with just friends to hang out and get his mind off of things. Cause we just, women, we just hang out differently for the most part. Like I can just call a friend and talk for hours on end. John's just not going to do that. Maybe some guys do. My husband wouldn't. He'd rather just like go grab a beer with a buddy or whatever it is. So uh, next, when appropriate, encourage therapy. Um, I I did have a friend encourage therapy. Um, I did have a friend encourage therapy and she actually recommended a therapist who I did go see. She was a, I think she was a, like a, a grief, a grief counselor. And, um, it was extremely helpful. I, I didn't go that long. Um, it was during kind of our worst time during our miscarriages and it did help me. It helped me a lot. So, um, and she was the one that referred me. So, uh, be supportive if they decide to stop. I think that is such a great, you know, it, John and I did we did decide to stop. We decided to stop treatment. We decided not to pursue a biological child and our friends could not have been more supportive. No one asked us if we wanted to try one more thing. They were, they were very supportive, uh, with our decision. Um, be offer to be an exercise buddy. I love this. I love this for anything that you're going through in life, right? How many times have you had a bad day, whatever it is, and you're so excited when a friend just wants to go for a walk with you? Like, I'll call a friend and just go for a walk. Same thing. Just ask if they want to go 
to the gym, if they want to go for a walk on a sunny day and, you know, endorphins make you make you feel good. So it's good for you to do that too. And then lastly, if you are pregnant, this may be different for everyone in how they process that news. But basically Resolve says, try to deliver the news in a way that lets them handle their initial reaction privately. Oh my gosh, I have, (laughs) I, excuse me, I had so many pregnancy announcements in the time. You know, you're all, you all tend to be usually within the same age range, give or take 10, maybe 15 years. Well, no, I mean, but in my case, everyone was my age. And there were so many pregnancy announcements. And I can tell you, people that are, I love them to death. They, they meant nothing by this. I would change it's not on them, but I remember how difficult it was for me to find out on social media, given that probably means I wasn't the closest to those people. Cause usually you call the people if they're like one of your good friends, but every time for a person with infertility sees a social media announcement, it is hard. It's really, really, really hard. I still like I, when I posted about being pregnant with June, it was hard. It was just like, oh, I know how difficult this is going to be for someone who is struggling. Um, but I also remember I had someone who I had a coworker who was pregnant and um, told me privately. And I just remember how seen I felt. And I knew they were being I knew they were doing that before they were going to announce it to everyone they were doing that intentionally. And it was, it was, I was so excited for them. I think there's a big misconception that people with infertility aren't excited for people when they're pregnant. I was thrilled for her. I was so thrilled. We love babies. (laughs) We want our own baby. Um, We can separate our grief of what we don't have and that excitement. And, And for me, then when they delivered that news privately, I could show them my excitement, tell them how much I appreciated that they told me. And then if I was having a tough day, I could go have that moment by myself so that I wouldn't take away from their joy. And these are the ones that are not as fun or the things not to say, because I hate telling people, I don't want to shame people, but I'll just tell you a few things that maybe will help you of what not to say. Number one, do not ever, ever tell someone to relax. (laughs) It's like if if my husband tells me to relax, we're going to have problems. <laughs> so don't tell someone with infertility to relax. It is so hard to hear. Now, something that I struggle with with my story is once we decided to adopt, we did get pregnant. And I think someone once made a comment of like, oh, see, now that you, you know, just relax. And that stung a little bit. But, you know, I think it's just how my story, you know, it's the way things happened. And maybe in my case, maybe it was the last piece of my puzzle of trying to get my body to work. Maybe I felt more, but I would never, ever, I would never, ever say that to someone because in 99.9% of cases, it's just something that is out of their control. Um, Next, don't say, say things that there are worse things that could happen. Of course, there are worse things that could happen. But you know, people react to experiences in different ways and, and infertility is, it's really, really devastating on a couple. And so just trying to empathize with them, I think is really, really helpful. Again, I'm going down the line from these from Resolve. Um, don't ask why they're not trying IVF. This is here from Resolve. I just talked about how it is not an easy thing. Most insurance plans don't cover IVF. 
Um, it's so much physical stress on your body. I was just talking to a friend about going through it. Maybe she'll come on and, uh, and talk with us. They did have a, a little baby girl. Um, but it, it's not some easy thing. And I will put to that as well. Oh, the very next line of what I was going to say. Don't push adoption is something easy. Adoption, we, I think we went into it knowing it would be challenging, but even we had no idea what it was actually like until we got in it. I'll just, I mean, I can tell you if you're interested in adoption, I would love to do a podcast on adoption. We are still very passionate about adoption. Um, we had budgeted, I, I'll tell you, we had budgeted around, I think it was like $50,000. Now there are different types of, of adoption you can do. You can either go through your state. We were working with an adoption consultant um, which is exact, exactly what it sounds like, honestly, a consultant that helps you complete the adoption process because there's so many legalities and a consultant primarily works uh, to find you, uh, match you with a family. We were looking at an open adoption, so match you with a family, a birth mother and child in uh, states that are more friendly to um I'm trying to remember all this, to uh, birth, excuse me, non-birth parents, to so the adoptive parents. Um, every state has different laws on how much time a, a birth family can can take to change their mind and, and all these things that are really emotionally difficult of an adoption can not work out after you've totally invested emotionally, financially, not not completely financially, hopefully, if, if things are being done right, but um, it's not easy. I mean, people wait years. We were told with working with a consultant that it would be um, under a year. Is it, That's the reason people use them is it really speeds up that process. But um, don't push adoption because I will say even uh, for us, it was grief to when we thought that was our route. It was. It took time to grieve the idea of not having a biological child, to know that your little girl, your little boy is never going to have dad's eyes or brown hair, what, you know, whatever it is. It's, 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 it was, it was grief. And once we took the time to grieve that, we were excited. We realized we just wanted to be parents and didn't necessarily need to be biological parents, even though that's what ended up happening for us. Um, love adoption. Um, where am I at? Okay. So, uh, next you know, this is a, a tough one. It, it talks about, they they say, don't complain about your pregnancy. Um, it's true. I do think that can be hard. Um, I will say I have um, been, uh, str I've struggled with infertility and I've been pregnant. And I have, I, I, I have actually, I think I was open about this, that with June, I said, you know, I struggle with the fact that I am so sensitive to people who are going through infertility and I also, and I'm so grateful to be pregnant, but I also really do not like the physical process of being pregnant. And so I do think it's good to be mindful, especially around someone you, you know, or maybe you don't know might be struggling, be careful with your words. But I also understand that it's hard. It is a really hard process. And so here on Resolve, it says, don't complain about your pregnancy. I do agree that I think just blanket complaining when you don't necessarily know someone's background, can be a little difficult to hear, but, you know, I think certainly, you know, emphasizing that you're grateful or just maybe, um, if you know someone's struggling with infertility, then I would say, no, just don't bring it up at all. But I also, I, I empathize with you if you're pregnant and it's hard because it is hard. Um, and lastly, 
don't assume or ask whose fault it is. Oh gosh, do people even say that? I've, I've never heard that. I've never heard that. That's what it says. It says, don't ask whose fault it is, male or female factor. I said it was on me. So maybe I'm even using that kind of language in a way. I, 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 I would always tell people, well, we know that the issue is on my side. I would never say it was my fault. I, I, I honestly never felt, I'm glad I never felt guilty and John never made me feel guilty. I, I have, I definitely have heard that, that there's a lot of guilt within fertility. And that is so, that's so sad and awful. Um, I'm really glad I did, I did not experience that. I experienced grief for sure. Um, and anxiety about, you know, what was going to happen and if we would be parents, but I can't imagine someone would ask that. So yes, don't ask whose fault it is, male or female, and just don't ask. <laughs> so I hope some of those are helpful. Um, this is again on resolve.org, the National Infertility Association. These uh, tips about talking about infertility, what to say to your friends and family and what not to say. But yeah, great resource for you. Um, if you are someone who does not struggle and you want to be a better friend or Betty, better family member, coworker, whatever it is. So that's a little bit, I hope that helps. Uh, there are countless stories of infertility we could share, and I know I'm going to get more amazing stories from you. I always hear from you. I can't tell you how many times since that day I shared on the radio that I have heard from listeners who have come back and said, hey, I was listening to that day. I was on my way to whatever appointment or, hey, I was listening to that day. We were going through the same thing. And now XYZ, we ended up adopting XYZ. We have two little girls. I am telling you, it's at least probably once every two months, I would say, since 2017. So I can hear my daughter crying. And that is, that is the perfect end to the podcast. She has woken up. <laughs> and so that is my cue. And we will see you for the next episode.